Welcome to another episode of Mission Compliance, Unleashing Growth Potential for Defense Contractors. In today's episode, we have a practical guide for defense contractors and business owners who are eager to scale up their operations, explore new markets, and establish impactful partnerships within the defense sector. Join us as we uncover the key strategies, challenges, and opportunities that come with scaling up in the defense industry, all while maintaining a focus on delivering high-quality products and services. Whether you're a small or mid-sized defense contractor seeking to take that ambitious leap or an established company looking to break into new horizons, this episode is tailored just for you. Get ready to gain actionable tips, learn from real success stories, and discover the importance of innovation and responsible growth in the ever-evolving defense landscape. So sit back, tune in, and let's navigate the, the exciting world of scaling up in the defense industry where progress meets responsibility. Roll that intro music. We're joined once again today by Mike Frieder, president of On-Call Compliance Solutions, a CMC registered practitioner and CMMC certified professional assessor. You had a week off from us, but you're back. Welcome back to the podcast, Mike. Hey, Roman. Good to see you. Wish, wish that week was relaxing, but we were actually working super hard on one of our brand new programs here uh, that I think the audience was really psyched about, which is, uh, you know, we, we already had uh, our oncallacademy.com CMMC and FAR level one course. And we put that out in 2021. And it's been a really, um, a really hot commodity. A lot of people have enrolled in that program and found a lot of value in it. It's, of course, a very low cost program to really kind of dip your toe and understand how to get compliant yourself on your own. And, uh, you know, we've been two years in development in our DIY DFARS NIST SP800-171 and CMMC level two program, um, you know, for almost two years now. And uh, last week, uh, I was busy putting the finishing touches on that. And you can actually go and buy it right now at oncallacademy.com. Uh, and you can, again, check out the DFARS NIST SP800-171 and CMMC level two course it is so cool, guys. Um, and so I was, uh, I was, I apologize, I was out last week uh, working with the team, finishing that project up. And uh, we're just really stoked to bring that to the defense industrial base. It's a major, major breakthrough. It is the least expensive, only self-paced course out there for those people who are trying to figure this out on their own, who don't want to go hire an expensive consultant, who don't want to get locked into a recurring monthly payment into some compliance solution. Uh, and it walks you through everything. It's just like one of our, uh, one of our consultations where we're coming on site and doing it with you or for you. Uh, or one of our virtual ones where we do that in smaller companies. Uh, literally we basically packaged up, you know, our, our, our big consultation package and we made it in a do it yourself format that's self-paced and affordable. I mean, we're talking like really affordable. Anybody can afford this thing like under two grand. So um, super stoked about that. But a lot of hard work was going into that last week. So uh, so I had to take my attention for that. Always got something up your sleeve, always working on something. And that course sounds oh. super exciting. And that was the other thing that I was working on last week was um, CMMC assessor training. That was the other thing that yeah. was going on. I completely forgot about that. We've had so much going on. Our team is going crazy building building programs for and you know it, it's all about just being better for for those defense companies. You know, I, we've literally worked with thousands of companies at this point, but you know what? You can never be good enough. And so I was personally going through CMMC assessor training 
Um, this is again not the first training I've been through, but uh, they've come out with you know sort of their latest iteration. Um, you know, as things really do heat up, and while we don't really spend a lot of time and energy doing assessments, we do a lot of time and energy on preparation. Uh, you know, preparing folks for understanding this and preparing them for CMMC level two in the future. And so I felt that it was just really only logical that several of us at the company go through actual assessor training. Um, it's kind of a big commitment to be really honest with you, but that's the, that's the link that we'll go to to help our clients because, you know, when our clients go get assessed, my real feeling is I want to make sure that they've got somebody on their side who can uh, kind of fight fire with fire, if you will, right? I, I want to make sure mm -hmm. if there's a challenge that someone on their side knows what what the assessors are looking for and 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 what the assessment process is and you know what the latest and greatest is. So um, I think that that was that was another thing going on last week. So uh, just a whole lot of really cool updates uh, from us. A lot of stuffs advancing very quickly with the DoD on this program, and um, you know that third party verification is coming. We're gonna have to add more to your to your intro uh, there with your your assessor. Now you've gone through the training. Yeah, let's go. Um, so and hopefully a CCA is coming soon. That's right. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we'll just we'll just say your name and then read off the whole alphabet soon. <laughs> just it'll it'll be yeah. Um. So so Mike, today we're talking about growth, as we mentioned in the intro, specifically growth of your business within the, within the defense industry and the advantages and the challenges and opportunities that come with scaling up. So what are the key factors that defense contractors need to consider when planning to scale up their operations? Boy, um, you know, I, I think, I, I think that that's a very broad question, right? Because, because I'll back that down and say, what does any company need to, to consider when they're looking at scaling up operations? And I was actually talking with somebody yesterday and trying to explain that in the last, um, I think probably 24 months on call has grown 300%. And so we've experienced some of that scaling ourselves and we've been in the trenches and we've been fighting the fires. And um, I think there's a couple of things. Number one is, is mindset of the whole team. So uh, I think first and foremost, anytime you're considering scaling, you have to look at the culture of your company and make sure that the people on board have an understanding that, that this is going to be a growth-oriented company. Uh, there's a lot of companies out there that don't have that mindset. And frankly, a lot of employees out there, uh, a lot of team members, um, they need to be eased into heavy-duty growth and scaling up. That's not something that you really just kind of want to say, hey, listen, I know you've been doing this job for the last 10 years. Uh, we're going to like triple capacity here at the company and bring in a bunch of other people to work with you and um, we're gonna need you to, like step up and lead a team. Like that's not that's not everybody's you know idea of a great day at work. Um, you know, so I I think the first thing that I always like to focus on is the culture of the company and is that culture built for scaling. You know, on call is pretty fortunate because we've had one nonstop growth trajectory for almost 20 years. There are, are no years that we don't have growth in. There are no moments in our 20 year history that we have not emphasized our goals to grow. And some years have certainly been better than others, but um, I would start with culture and then I would start by talking the talk, right? I think it starts there. You got to talk the talk before you can walk the walk when it comes to growth. So you've got to start getting the idea that you're going to grow into your meetings to start getting team members oriented into the direction of scaling. Um, the next thing is, and this is one of my favorite things, um, you know, I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a really, really big student of business itself. There's a guy named Vern Harnish uh, who put out a book called Scaling Up. 
So you can't really talk about scaling without talking about Vern Harnish. Uh, he's kind of the godfather of, of really explaining from an academic perspective what it takes to scale. Um, you know, it's a little bit tough for most business owners, and it's particularly tough for a lot of CEOs who are perfectionists. But if you're going to scale, one of the things that has to happen is you've got to quit worrying about getting it perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Um, you know, when you scale, a lot of times what happens is you're having a breakthrough in one area of the company, let's say it's sales and operations is back at the old company's level. And so you've got to understand that you're going to break some, uh, you're going to, you're going to kind of, let's see, let's see, you're going to break some glasses around the kitchen, if you will, right? You're, you're just not, everything's going to go the way you want to, you know, when you want to, it just doesn't work like that. I'll give you a, a quick story from our scaling past. Um, we were trying to double in size uh, starting around last November and we hired on a bunch of people and we dumped money into marketing and we did all this stuff. And instead of scaling hundred percent, we scaled 33% and the entire six or seven month effort ultimately came completely crumbling down. And we wound up stripping back all of the all of the sales. We stripped out all of the people um, you know, and, and scaled right back to the exact place that we were last November. And then we had a breakthrough and then we got our lead flow to quadruple. Um, why it was timed like that, how that happened, I could not tell you. Um, it was a nonstop 10 month continuous effort to grow deal flow and lead flow in the company. And it just didn't work. Just didn't. It just simply didn't work. No matter what we tried, no matter how many brainstorming sessions we had, no matter what the the numbers, you know, and the metrics and all that other kind of stuff, you know, we were hitting KPIs. Uh, it just simply didn't work. And, you know, I'll tell you one thing that we didn't really understand was that we had, we had gone through this situation where the economy was really booming last year. And then finally the, the, you know, the economies began to drag down and we were, we were fighting a global economic issue. And then, you know, so then you ask, okay, well, how did you figure it out? Um, well, we changed our thinking. We said, okay, we can't linearly scale. We have to go look at all of the things that we didn't touch before to figure out which one of those controls we need to change and start experimenting with now because all the other things we were experimenting with just simply didn't work. So I think, you know, one of the things that helped us, and again, going back to culture is we explained to people step-by-step step every week what we were doing to scale. They saw the successes, they saw the failures. And, you know, it's real hairy when you start downsizing a company after a growth effort that failed to make sure that morale stays good, that all of your old timers stay put, uh, and that people don't think that there's a greater problem with the company that there is. And because we were so transparent and because everyone around the company knew what was up, you know, when people had to leave because we simply just, the scaling efforts didn't work, it was clear why they had to leave. It was clear why they were gonna stay. Um, and I think that that really eased the burden. And again, the the end story of that was it took 10 months to figure out one new thing, but that one new thing quadrupled our lead flow and is already in the pipeline to quadruple our deal flow. Um, and, and again, I think that's those are the the real stories, you know, that you won't hear all all over the place. That's how growth really happens. And you have to have a company that's going to stick by your side when stuff goes south, because I guarantee you, and any entrepreneur out there can probably vouch for this, who, who's, who's achieved some level of success, you're going to fail five times for every time you actually get a win. And that's if you're lucky. 
Um, I'm not so lucky. So in my case, usually it's more like 10 or 20 times that I'll fail to every one win. And, um, and we're transparent about that too. Um, we ask our entire team, hey, look, do you have better ideas than what leadership has on how to solve problems? Um, we build SOPs and systems every single time we find something that works and we test them. Um, those are the, that's the hard work and the gross, nasty stuff that happens that nobody wants to talk about when it comes to scaling. So yeah, I think the final thing is if you're in defense, this doesn't change. I actually have a saying on my wall, and you know, we have these cool virtual backgrounds that work really well, especially for podcasts, but um, I have a saying on my wall uh, and I'll give credit where credit is due. A guy's name's Alex Hormozzi. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, and, uh, you know, he talks a lot about scaling businesses and there's a saying on my wall that says scaling, what does it say? This is scaling up, scaling up is just doing more of what already works, not doing a bunch of new stuff. And, you know, you can say that saying a thousand times. And I don't know about you guys out there in the audience, if you're, if you're, you know, an owner or if you're, you know, even if you're, if you're an IT director and you've got a department, you're scaling, I could read that thing a million times and still get it wrong. Um, but the reality is, is that, you know, that's, that's a really critical lesson that I've learned. Um, you know, as a great example, we, you know, we were trying to scale up and we were like, well, maybe we should look outside of working with defense clients. And then we said, no, wait a minute, hang on. We spent 16 years working with everybody who would, who would give us money. And then we figured out the best people who really appreciated us and could afford us. And we started just working with them. We tripled in size. Why would we go backwards? Right. So there's another lesson when it comes to scaling up, and that is don't be afraid to leave money on the table when it comes to, um, you know, what you're doing. You're going to leave money on the table. There's going to be stuff your company can do that could bring in an extra dollar, but what you're sacrificing when you bring in that extra dollar, when you're scaling particularly, is you're sacrificing the focus on the one thing that could actually help you scale dramatically and, and scale faster. Um, you know, I'd love to tell you that business is super complicated and I think it is, but at the same time, business is really super simple. Um, you, you figure out who your clients are, you figure out the number one thing you can pro provide them value by doing, and then you come up with as many different things as, as you can to sell that, you know, to, to solve that problem and sell solutions to them. And you stick to that and you, and you don't go crazy and, and build a whole bunch of other side gigs to your main business, you know, focus on your main business. And, and I'll tell you, there's not a whole lot that isn't possible. I'll give you an example. There are billion dollar with a B billion dollar roofing businesses, right? All they do is roofs. They just simply, they didn't, they didn't sway from what their core mission was. So, I mean, I could talk about, I could talk about scaling all day long. I think the last topic I'll talk about is compliance. One thing you have to keep in mind is that information security and compliance is something that, you know, it has to scale with your operation. When you're one person, security is really simple. When you're five people, it gets a little more tricky, but it's still pretty simple. When you're at 20 people, it starts to get really complicated. You actually have to control access to things. You have to make sure that your physical facilities are secured as they grow and get bigger and bigger. And that takes more and more budget, frankly. Um, so, you know, another thing that you start sort of seeing is this, this invisible overhead that starts creeping in as you scale up as a defense contractor 
And compliance is one of those places that it really hits home because, you know, to secure 20 people is 20 times as expensive as it is to secure one. So you've got to make sure your profit margins are there. We really encourage that with our clients. Boost up the profit margins, cover the expenses from compliance, don't eat that for lunch. And then, you know, the other part of it is um, make sure that you're giving good mind space and adequate time to risk management. Um, you know, that's why I'm, I'm just absolutely in love with, you know, the whole NIST SP800-171 standard and, and everything that goes along with it, DFAR, CMMC, et cetera, because it teaches smaller businesses the concept of risk management that they might otherwise ignore and would then bite them in the behind after they've grown a great business um, by being hit by massive cyber attacks and contract losses and being barred from doing business in the defense industry and all kinds of just really horrible, nasty stuff. If they really embrace it and they do it right, they learn risk management. Risk management is a top skill in venture capital companies, in investment firms. It's all like when you get to be a larger sized company, everything becomes about risk management. And yet when you're a small company, it's the least important thing. And so you know, I think this is another great aspect that we learned from compliance is, boy, if you're going to look to grow your defense business, if you're looking to scale up, um, and I love that, by the way, like if you're a business in defense and you're listening to this podcast and you're you're in the middle of having a growth mindset and you're scaling up, we are by far and away the best company you could ever work with. You know, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I have a growth mindset I proliferate that growth mindset down to, to our entire team. Every one of our consultants don't just have compliance expertise. Like they get to come grow our operation and they get to come help see our clients grow their operations firsthand on the battlefield. And it's so cool. No other company takes this approach. They're too busy trying to sell you IT projects that you don't care about, right? You could probably do in-house if you really put your mind to it. Um, we, on the other hand, find much more value in teaming with our clients to help them grow. And look, if you need IT stuff done along the way, to me, that's permission to play. That's amateur hour stuff. We can handle any IT need you, you could ever have. But when we can come in at a high level and really help you with growth and direction and show you where the money is and show you how to have competitive advantages, uh, yeah, that, that's that's where I think we really get excited uh, you know, on our team. And that's, you know, I was asked yesterday what one of our competitive differentiators were from another company. I have to share this story. When you're scaling up, don't forget the little stuff. Just, you can't. Uh, we we had a client and I was, I was doing um, a spot check. I was sitting with one of our salespeople uh, and we were, had a great, great, you know, uh, a, a great sales consultation, right? Um, big, big client, um, you know, 50, 60, 70 locations around the US, um, very talented company. He, he throws me an email back and he made it very apparent. He basically kind of verbaled us an approval on the phone. He said, look, I have to go through a due diligence process. I have to I have to vet other vendors. I said, cool, no problem. Uh, I don't think we really win any deals where there aren't where there isn't any any competition. So he he immediately sends me, you know, this company. He says, well, hey, what's your, what's the difference between you guys and this company? The first thing I did was I I took the the clickbait URL that he gave to me and I went to the root URL of the site. And what this company was advertising had nothing to do with defense work, it had nothing to do with DFARS, NIST, or CMMC. What he had found was a simple pay-for-click landing page, and their company was all about SAP consulting. And you know what? We know SAP too. I mean, we can consult on SAP all day long. That's not our core competency. I don't advertise it. 
you know, I just don't, I don't have an interest in it. That's not our main line of business. So then I said, well, this is interesting. They, they really seem to be much more focused on SAP consulting based on their website. No mentions of DPARS or NIST on the front page anywhere except a little menu item there. And so I said, you know, I'm going to call these people. I, I'm just curious how big they are. I went to go call them and I called them and their phone tree, first off, I hit a phone tree and the phone tree was, hey, if you're having an emergency, you know, if you need SAP support, dial this. If you need SAP support and it's an emergency, dial this. And so I think another aspect when it comes to scaling up is don't forget the fundamentals. I don't care how big of a company you are and the big companies are the worst at this. You better answer your phones, right? Somebody better be watching that info at mailbox. You cannot forget the fundamentals of business no matter what size you are. And when you're scaling, you're just gonna send more traffic to those same mediums. And if you forgot to look and see what your own phone tree actually has on it, you're gonna just chase away business. Now, here's a great example. When I called that company, their, their phone system was a little bit scratchy, it was kind of broken up. Maybe, you know, maybe they're having some VoIP phone system issues locally. I don't, I don't have a clue, but it wasn't a good impression. And then they were talking about SAP consulting. There was nothing on their phone tree about it. And I said, okay, let's, let's get in touch with somebody. So I hit the one for, I'm having an SAP emergency. And nobody answered. It went straight to voicemail. I mean, two rings and it was in voicemail. And I think to myself, my God, man, when you call on call, and I'll give you I'll give you our phone number. Try this out. If you're listening to this podcast and, you, and you're looking for a little fun after you finish this episode, dial the number 850-224-1008 and just, just see what happens. I don't care. Dial any extension. I guarantee you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we're going to answer that phone. Okay. That phone gets answered live or I start ripping heads off. I'm not even kidding. That's fundamental business one, two, three, you know, 101. Answer your phones live. Do the basics. Make sure you've got you know, some kind of basic you know, policy about how quickly the phones are going to get answered and how fast emails are going to get replied to and how fast your service tickets or your projects are going to get done. There's got to be controls over the output of a company. And I just have to share that, you know, when you're scaling up is the number one time people forget about those fundamentals and they've got to be there. Because here's what I did. That company spent a bunch of money to market and attract that same prospect that I did. And all I had to do is write to the prospect when he said, what's the difference between you and me? And I said, well, for one thing, I answer my phone when you call me. Try calling them. Done. There's not, I don't even have to work that hard to justify why you should work with me. I don't have anything to say, you know, I mean, it's just, it really is that simple. And the other thing is make sure that your current phone trees, email signatures, et cetera, like make sure your marketing matches what you actually do because companies do evolve and change. And you got to really be careful about that because, um, and, and I, and look, 20 some years in business, believe me, you know, we've done a lot of different things in business. Uh, it does evolve and change and you have to watch that kind of stuff. Okay. That's a really, really long winded answer to, uh, a very, very good question. So uh, let me, let me end it with that. I could, you know, I could go on forever, but um, that's, uh, I, I just, you know, so scaling is very close to our heart right now because that's exactly what we're doing inside of on call right now. So the short answer there is there's no, there's no one key way to scale up. You have to scale up everything. You have to not, not miss the little things there. There are so many things to, to take into account there. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll share another another quick story with uh, with the audience because I think it's really relevant. Um, when you're scaling a business, it's very frustrating. Um, I, I'd love to tell you that it's all glory, and it, it is when you make it. You know, when you actually figure out that one thing. But I'll I'll give you a great example. Um, we hired and fired twelve or thirteen people in our last round of attempted growth. That sucks to hire 12 people, build them up for months at a time, and then have to fire them. That just sucks. There's no there's no not suck about that. <laughs> we blew out hundreds of thousands of dollars in marketing, hiring, resources, you name it. And it sucks to have that get thrown in the trash can. But all of that money, time, effort, messing with people's careers led to one single breakthrough. And that one breakthrough was that during that 10 or 11 month period, we worked with 87 different landing pages that we sent traffic to. And we found two tools, and I, I won't really kind of dive into the specifics. That's kind of, you know, some proprietary stuff. We found two tools that allowed us to make a landing page that with the exact same level of spend that we were previously at, allowed us to quadruple our lead quality and something like 70% increase in appointments set. Now I have to tell you, that's the difference between a $10 million company and a $20 million company. And I will also tell you, we almost missed that breakthrough. We had an accidental setting that got changed when we were playing around, around with landing pages and testing things. The setting was live for less than a day and then we changed it to the next thing because it was only set that way because somebody, being me, was running out of town to do something. And I had to set it up a certain way because there wasn't enough time to set it up in the way that we had planned. You have to be super dialed into the details when you're scaling because you could just miss that thing that could quadruple the size of your business. So all of that sacrifice, and I'll tell you, ultimately, the thing that's going to make our company literally probably double in sales, maybe triple in sales over the next year, ran us $99, like period, wow. like that's it. But it took 10, 10 months and hundreds of thousands of dollars and hiring and firing 12 or 13 people to find that one thing that for $99 made the epic difference. You want to know what scaling is, that's scaling. And, you know, to be honest with you, What's the rest of scaling? The operation will scale easily when the sales are there. I don't know what more I can tell you. Don't get me wrong. If you're if you're in manufacturing, there are definitely supply chain issues and all that other kind of stuff. But look, it's not a big deal to change the order quantity on raw materials from three to five. That's easy stuff. Um, generally speaking, if you're listening to this and you have an established business and you're trying to scale up, you know how to do the thing that makes you money. Scaling that up is probably pretty easy. Um, so, you know, again, I, I guess I've said it without saying it, but, you know, one is, you know, scaling really at the end of the day is primarily all about sales and marketing and bringing the money in when the money's coming in, the rest of those problems are, are what they refer to as happy problems. Those are easy problems to solve. Uh, and then I, again, like I said, the one thing you, you just have to watch out for in defense is that you will reach a point where compliance does begin to increase in complexity and it reaches a point where it does get more expensive per employee. And then there's a cap. 
Um, but but it is something that has to be considered. And then you have to realize that when you're really, really big, like when you're in the thousands of employees, you have time that has to be in consideration. Um, and and that's where that's where we really come in is we help crush the window on time. You know, we take compliance from something that can easily, I mean, our average client, what's really interesting is we, we're serving bigger and bigger clients in defense as our reputation gets out there. Um, and, and what's interesting is the average used to be about six to 18 months that the typical IT director or general counsel is working on this thing. The larger companies have been working on it now for years, plural, like multiple years they've been working. And then they just realized that there's, there's just got to be a better way to do it out there and they find us. So keep in mind that time is also a factor. If you want to scale up and go start real, really going heavy in defense and you weren't heavy in defense before, maybe SpaceX is flashing a really nice contract your way. You better get on the compliance part now. Because let me tell you, what is tough is scaling up and getting compliant at the same time, because you're trying to basically band-aid an operation that's basically outgrowing the band-aid, and that's not a good place to be. We want to we want to get the we want to patch it up. We want to make sure that we put scalable solutions in, and we want to do that before you really really launch into a heavy scaling period, because then it gets hairy. But we can do that too, right? So. Uh, man, if you're scaling up, we can definitely help. There you go. So so as mentioned, scaling up can often bring new opportunities that were previously not available to smaller contractors. How can defense contractors identify and evaluate those market opportunities in the defense industry? Man, um, you know, we've talked about a lot of things on this podcast before. One of them I would say is um, the larger you get, the easier it gets to spread out your sales efforts. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's, it's a bad thing. But if you're looking for new opportunities, I will tell you that there is this thing called matchmaking that goes on at select military trade shows. So number one, I love trade shows. Uh, I think trade shows are a great thing to do. I also love Google for that matter. But trade shows have matchmaking that are unique opportunities. For instance, I've watched both our company and other small businesses go sit down and have a conversation with executives from Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Bay Systems, BAE, uh, you know, and even directly with people who are very, very high up in the government. Um, we've had direct conversations with the executive director of GIBCAC. We've had, you know, executive, you know, conversations with executives from DCMA before to really understand what's going on there. And a lot of those have taken place at trade shows. Um, so one is, I think I would look for opportunities at trade shows. Another thing I would look for is, uh, I wouldn't just look directly at government opportunities either. I would fully recognize the reality that most government work, probably about 75% of it gets won by very large companies. Okay. Those companies like Lockheed, Raytheon, the ones you hear about the news all the time. And there's, believe me, there's tons of others. We stumble across new ones all the time. Those people have to sub out like 25% of that work to small business. It's really an incredible opportunity. And so the next thing I would do is I would go try to look for procurement offices at big companies and I would, I would cold call them. I would call them and I would say, Hey, look, I would really love to earn an opportunity to work with you guys. Here's my capability statement. If you don't know what a capability statement is, uh, you need to Google it. It's a one pager that kind of summarizes your capabilities and skills. And I would send that over to, to those offices and look, I'm not telling you it's going to happen the first one or two or three, but you know what? You go find 50 companies to market to, and you're going to be able to get with one or two of them. And um, it's no different than marketing in the private sector. You're going to have to hustle, and you can either spend money to grow, or you can take your time and grow uh, organically. So lots and lots of opportunities. Another one I would, I would go attack is I would go attack the SBA office. Everybody's got a small business administration office in their city. 
And if you don't, you got a big city pretty close to you that'll have an SBA. Um, two things I would go to with SBA. One is you might want to call the PTAC office, PTAC. I'll let you Google that to find out what it is. They will help you with defense work. Another one is go get a SCORE mentor. I've talked about this on the program before from an entrepreneurial perspective. Why try to bang your head against the wall and figure this business thing out yourself when there are people uh, who literally are retired or highly successful in business who give their time to the community to counsel small to mid-sized business owners? By the way, if you're thinking, man, we got 500 employees, like there's no way a SCORE mentor can help me. Oh my goodness, man. I remember I had a meeting with a guy who was an executive from Pittsburgh Paints. They had 30,000 employees. How can a paint company help me? Well, listen, it doesn't matter what they're selling. At the end of the day, this dude ran a 30,000 employee operation and gave me insights into my IT operation that I never could have gotten any other way. I mean, you just simply put, when you're not there at the top of the mountain, you don't know what it looks like. But when you've been there, it's unbelievable what the view is. And so in that respect, I think it's... Uh, you know, I think it's something that I think, frankly, I think everybody should go meet with those people. You know, God, you got free guidance from the government and then they've got the, the government resources on their side for defense. Uh, it's really quite incredible. Another thing is um, make sure you go get compliant. We tell our clients all the time, you want to advertise that your DFARs in this compliant. If your ITAR registered and compliant, great. You know, we can help you with all those things. But, you know, it's really dumb if you go get compliant and you work with us. Uh, you know, and we help you and we get you across the finish line so you can win that one contract. And then the rest of your sales team has no idea that you did this and no idea that you should be really hunting down and going after more defense work. Why not? I don't know. Always seemed a little bit silly to me. And I, I've always felt very strongly that companies should really aggressively go after the wins. Make anything that's hard that you have to do known so that it can be a win for somebody else. There you go. And and you already touched on this this last thing several times, but let's just put a nice little fine bow on it for those that are listening or or watching on YouTube. Um, with, with with all these new advantages and opportunities, there is some legwork to be done as well. As a compliance expert, can you tell us are there specific regulations or or or, or compliance requirements that defense that defense contractors should be aware of when scaling up their operations? Yeah. So I mean. I think the reality is very simple. In defense, permission to play is getting DFARS NIST and DFARS and NIST compliant. Um, you have to do it. And I think that the the scarier thing to me, and we had a conversation like this yesterday with a prospect, we started going through the idea that, hey man, this has been around since 2017. And you can kind of see him really starting to cringe and get uncomfortable. He goes, look, man, I don't really apply well to scare tactics. And I'm like, well, there's no part of this that's a scare tactic. We're just telling you what the law is. And the reality is their company has been transacting hundreds of millions of dollars in business and defense for years. And this guy has been put into a position high up and he's stumbled across these questions. And he's just realized through our conversation, this is not just an IT problem. This is bigger than him. And so when you really break it down, what begins to happen is you get into this really scary situation where somewhere along the line, you're either checking the box and lying about it and winning millions of dollars, which is frightening, or you're checking the box and you got it and you feel great about it, right? Everybody can sleep good at night. So, you know, it's a necessary evil, but 
and it makes you approach risk management perhaps earlier than you might in the evolution of your company. But I honestly think it's a great thing. I really, really do. So if you're procrastinating, if you're listening to this podcast because you're trying to figure it out, um, you know, there's there's several different options that I, I think we have recognized and heard the market. The big complaint is that it's expensive to get compliant. I can't argue with that. And so we went out and fixed it. It's not expensive to get compliant anymore. You can go to oncallacademy.com. You can check out our brand new do-it-yourself DFARS, NIST, and CMMC level two course for defense contractors. You can go take the course. Okay, I'm not going to tell you it's it's not you know going to take you some time if you want to do it yourself. No kidding. There's over two. I think there's like 200 sections in this thing, but we walk you through everything. Even if you're not technically oriented, even if you're not an IT guy. You can get through this course. We literally sit there and explain, here's what a firewall is. Here's how the firewall needs to be set up in your environment to be compliant. So we're not just going to start, uh, you know, this is not just for IT people. You know, if you're a general counsel for a company, you can follow this course, no problem. And then we give you quick questions uh, and support for a year. So you're never on your own. That's really our goal with this program. It's an incredible, incredible offering. Um, it, there is nothing like it on the market, period, end of story. There just simply isn't anything like it that exists. So we made that because we heard the complaints from the defense industrial base. They wanted help and they wanted it affordably. So we went out and made it. Uh, and I'm super excited about that because this is the very first podcast that I can actually talk about this and offer it up. And look, if you don't have six months to a year to go through this program and make yourself compliant on your own, if you've got existing defense work, cool, call us. We'll come out there and do it for you. But um, again, I would just I would just really emphasize the idea that you need to be compliant if you're going to touch defense work at all or get out. There you go. A lot of a lot of great information. A lot of there there are differences whether you're a small business or or a larger business trying to scale up. Thanks again for 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 bringing us some valuable valuable information as far as the defense industry. But now you know what time it is. You know, we've 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 done our due diligence. We've done the serious stuff. You know what time it is. It's time for the silly question to wrap this up in a fun way. But for this one, we're gonna do it a little different. I'm gonna lead into the silly question with a bit of a story. I'm not gonna go into the whole thing, but when I was younger, I had this recurring dream that I was in one of those big furniture stores. And not I'm not talking like IKEA, I'm talking like 10 foot tall chairs. And, and desks and things but and I was normal sized so I was I was like Ant-Man in a world of giants right and walking through this store so if we're talking about scaling business and doing bigger business can't businesses just buy bigger chairs and bigger desks and go shopping at this store for their furniture you certainly can if certainly if the can. office is bigger if the furniture is bigger the business is bigger right you know, it's actually very interesting because in defense, we deal with a lot of industrial equipment. And, um, you know, we were at a, a robotics plant uh, a couple of months ago, and they had roboticized crane arms that were absolutely massive. And then they had smaller and smaller versions. And I thought it was really cool because it's all built on capacity and stuff. But, you know, in defense, you really do find a lot of things that are supersized. I think uh, in September, we're going to a facility... Uh, we're sending a team to a facility that is uh, 300,000 square feet or 3 million square feet. I don't know what it is, but it's massive. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's really super cool what they do there. Uh, but, you know, uh, a lot of things in defense are supersized. And you know what else should be supersized? Your defense company should be supersized, right? Thank Scale you. it up. Uh, probably a whole lot easier than making everybody sit in big chairs. First of all, I can't even fathom what 3 million square feet would look like. That doesn't that doesn't compute in my head. Yeah, I, I don't wow. know. Either. I mean, we have been in some very, very large facilities. Again, we're, we're under NDAs, so I can't say anything. But we've been we've been in one of the largest indoor structures uh, in the world, as a matter of fact. And um, there are some impressive places that uh, are not exactly on the map. There you go. There you go. And that wraps up another great episode of Mission Compliance. We hope our discussion today has provided you with valuable insights, practical strategies, and inspiration to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. We'd like to thank Mike for joining us again today, and as I said earlier, providing us with great information about scaling up your business if you're looking to take the next step in the defense industry. Thanks, Mike. Hey, it's my pleasure, Roman. But the conversation doesn't end here. We encourage you to ex continue exploring these topics and connect with us on our social media channels. Share your thoughts, ask questions, and engage with fellow listeners by using the hashtag Mission Compliance Podcast. If you don't know because you've been listening for the last 45 minutes, that's who we are. You can also visit our website at missioncompliancepodcast.com for show notes, transcripts, and bonus content. If you haven't already, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to be the first to know when new episodes like this one are released. And we truly appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review the show. Your feedback helps us continue to bring you thought-provoking episodes and high-quality content. Join us again on the next episode of Mission Compliance as we delve further into the dynamic world of defense, security, and industry innovation. Until then, take care, stay informed, and make compliance your mission. See you next time.